Welcome to another episode of the Atheist Experience. I'm your host Russell Glasser, and with me today is Jeff D. Hi, Russell. How Hi. you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I'm sporting the full beard today because I had a ski vacation last month, and I just decided to stick with it for a little while. Um, yeah. But I'm shaving as soon as I get home today. Uh, today is Sunday, January 13th, uh, 2012. We are a live call-in public access atheist television show dedicated to. Uh, Promoting positive atheism and the separation of church and state. We are based in Austin, Texas. Uh, we are available through uh, live streaming video at ustream.tv. The official website of the Atheist Experience is www.atheist-experience.com, and you can provide feedback by commenting on the official show blog at freethoughtblogs.com/axp, or you can email us at tv at atheist-community.org. Uh, if you enjoy the show today, uh, then you should check out our sister podcast, Godless Bitches, which should be coming back online any time now, as far as I know. Uh, uh, let's see. You can find links at the Atheist Experience website. And as always, the cast and crew of the Atheist Experience will be going to dinner after the show at Threadgills at 301 West Riverside Drive, uh, arriving at around 6 p.m. And that does it for the announcements, and I don't think we have a special topic today, so are we going to launch right into college? It looks like we've got a bunch of lines full, so why not? All right. Um, Jeffro in Houston. Hello? Yes, hi. Hey, how's it going? Fine, thanks. Uh, fine. Yeah, I, I, I expected uh, Martin and uh, Russell... <laughs> Well, no, I didn't know Jeff was going to be on. Sorry, we have, I mean, you, lucky you, you get Jeff. Yeah, that's right, dude, I love Jeff. All right. There's one. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. Everybody loves Jeff. I'll say anyway. it right now. <laughs> no, Raymond, um, everybody loves Raymond. I don't like uh, Raymond. No, okay. Okay. That Go was on. clever. Um, anyways, no, uh... I know this topic's been uh, worn out um, quite a bit on the show, um, but especially last week. Yeah. But did I'm you, calling did in. Did you to... uh, listen to? Were you? I hear you were on hold all of last week. Yeah, I was. I was. Okay. It, for people who are just tuning in and didn't tune in last week, uh, Matt and Tracy had sort of an epic call with a guy that that was about morality and wound up getting featured this week on uh, Huffington Post and uh, rawstory.com and, and some other places. So uh, that apparently a lot of people like that call. Really? I did not even realize that much. Yeah. Huh. Um, well, 
my call hopefully won't make it to the news. But um, <laughs> ah, that remains but, to be seen. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe it will. I'm not sure, but uh, I don't have that high hopes. But what I'm no, I'm calling specifically because of um, morality. I'm not calling as a conservative Christian or arguing for God or anything like that. I used to be an atheist um, in my teenage years for a couple of years, and I haven't converted. Um, per se, to a religion. Um, I'm not sure what I would even classify myself as because I'm doing a lot of research to just sort of find out the truth. But um, I, for uh, when I, while I was an atheist, I really took it seriously, and I'm very, you know, I'm very interested in philosophy. I majored in that in college, mm-hmm. and I. Um, I'm also obsessive compulsive to where I, uh, I have a certain kind to where I have to analyze uh, actions uh, a lot deeper than most other people have to. Right. Um, so, so I assume in college you must have read a lot of the social philosophers like John Locke, Jeremy Bentham, that sort of thing. Well, actually, actually, I um, I uh, ended up switching my major because it had such uh, it had such a impact on how I like functioned because I got too lost in it that I wasn't okay. able to actually uh, function as well as I should have. Um, and so I ended up switching to English. Um, but but what I'm saying is that when I was, for those period of time, I would analyze over and over again what kind of action should I take in these moral dilemmas throughout the day. And I genuinely couldn't find an answer as an atheist because I had no sense of objective morality, and that's and I'm not saying that to bash atheism. All of a sudden, y'all are immoral or anything, but there is I, I don't the the way y'all talk on the show and the way I hear a lot of atheists talk, they're very sure of themselves in when they say that thing is immoral. Um, the Bible, the Old Testament, that is immoral. Well, or, can, I, can I ask you what answers have you found to that question as a theist? Um, I'm actually not uh, necessarily, I would call myself an agnostic. Okay, um, so you still think there's no answer? I Yes, but uh, but I'm searching, I, I believe there might be a God, I just don't know it yet, or maybe I will never know. Um, but, I mean, but, you don't really think there's an answer to the moral question, as far as you're yeah, aware? I, I don't think there's an answer to the moral question from an atheistic point of view. That much I've established. Yeah, maybe but I could be wrong. Do you think there's an answer from another point of view? I think it's possible, yes. It's possible, but do you know what it is? Well, if I did, then I would surely uh, present that world to you. I would say that... <laughs> You know, if you want to take the most uh, popularism in the state, uh, you know, Christianity, well, then there is some sort of uh, moral answer there. Even if you want to say as an atheist uh, what they preach is immoral, if, yeah. if, if, if Christianity is, is in fact true, then I don't, you know, if, if God actually exists and he came down to me and said, murder your neighbor, then you could say, hey, that's immoral. Well, the only reason you're saying that is because you wouldn't be obeying God, and you'd actually be immoral in of itself. And that sounds irrational, but if God would is, in fact, a supremely moral being, then no matter what actions he takes, they are okay. moral, whether I like it or not. May I? Take it away. Are you familiar with the euthyphro dilemma? 
Uh, I, I remember reading about that on my uh, freshman philosophy class. Okay, it's really important uh, on that side of the question, on, the, que- uh, on the, the, the question of whether you can get objective morality out of Christian divine command theory. Mm-hmm. And the answer is, you, well, you can't, not in any way that, that Christians themselves are going to be comfortable with. Because either the God, um, when he makes moral pronouncements, is just making it up, in which case um, that's, that's not real morality, right? That's just, that's, that's made up. It's arbitrary. You know, you can say, well, you've got to do it because he's so powerful, but that's just might makes right. Uh, or, uh, or else morality is just inherently objective. Uh, moral rules are inherent in the nature of reality, and the God is just wise enough to know about them, and he tells us what they are. But in that case, he didn't actually, he's not the author of them, which is what Christians want to believe, and that puts them in the realm of stuff we might be able to figure out on our own without even needing him. So however you look at it, a God's pronouncements cannot reasonably be the source of an objective morality. I would, I can see how um, that can be correct. Um, and I'd have to do some more uh, reading on that exact dilemma myself. But you didn't. Um, but you didn't call to get us to to uh, to rip down Christianity. You want to know what it's what it's going on from the atheist side. Yeah, and, because and, and you'll and you'll get different answers from different different atheists, right? Because the atheism is just the lack of belief in a god. Where right. you go after that, it depends on the atheist. Right. right. Atheism from just having dispensed with gods does not tell you what your moral rules should be. Me right. personally, uh, I don't believe in objective moral rules as much as I believe in the existence of an objective reality within which we make moral decisions. Right. And, and I so... And so it's 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 always a cost benefit analysis. It's always and and it should be a wise cost benefit analysis, not just well, you know, if I stab this guy and take his lollipop, right? Does that benefit me at this exact moment? You've got to also factor in what the long term consequences are going to be. Right. Well, the thing I had a problem with is that honestly, I as and I remember how I was as an atheist. I would ref- even even if uh, I would sit down and just say, theoretically, if I wanted to stab my neighbor, and I never did want to, and I never will, but if I wanted to, I could not find an actual reason to say I should not. I mean, I could say, uh, well, it's illegal, or it's unlawful, or I'm hurting someone else's being. I'm ending someone else's existence. You're um, contributing well, to a culture where uh, it becomes a place where stabbing one another becomes the norm. And is that the sort of place you want to live in? Well, well, or to ask it another way, don't just stop at saying it's illegal. Do you think it should be illegal? I mean, does it benefit you to live in a place where where stabbing people is illegal? Well, that's... And then you can go even deeper than that, though, is what I would say, is that it does... Is there even a reason I should want to benefit my own existence? And, or, or is there a reason for me to even continue my existence? Or is it, I mean, it can go deeper and deeper and deeper, and that's the issue I have with 
Right, but you could say that with all, I mean, about all of philosophy. I mean, that's why philosophers have these concepts called axioms, where uh, where I think a reasonable axiom would be that, you know, at base level, people really want to do things that benefit themselves and make themselves feel happy and comfortable. And if we can't even agree on that, then I'm, uh, then we don't have common starting ground in philosophy. Uh, and I mean, some some philosophers would want to start by throwing everything out, and some philosophers would just say, "Look, here's something that we are pretty sure that that just about everybody agrees on. So let's start there and reason uh, from that." Yeah, um, I've I've heard that commonly saying um, before we even begin a debate. Let's agree that we're actually. In the same reality, Earth does. Yeah, exist. like I mean, I've gotten into some very, some very complicated arguments with Christians who who want to deal with like presuppositional apologetics, and they say stuff like, "Let's not even start with the assumption that reality exists, or the, or that uh, reasoning, or that logical reasoning is legitimate, because in order to prove that." Uh, you have to grant that a God exists first. And they have no justification for that, very much like Jeff just pointed out that there's no justification for saying that in order to assume uh, some basic principles of morality, you have, to, um, you have to assume a God, because the God really doesn't solve it in the first place. Yeah. Um, well, if... If, if you do take the view, you know, benefit my uh, benefit my existence or benefit myself. Mm-hmm. If we, if uh, could we not theoretically live in a society to where we all enjoy um, rape, I guess, and we all? could but not, not well. Clearly, not all of us, because those being raped, I guess, would not enjoy it. But right, right. Most, so that's not something that everybody agrees on, actually. Right. Right. And, so and the, just, the fact of the matter is, there have been a wide range of different kinds of cultures throughout human history, right? And many yes. of them, many of them, uh, you know, from our perspective, the way we have organized things for ourselves, we look back and say those were horrific, right? And we wouldn't want to be part of that. But for the people living in those places, that was the norm for them. Uh, there's no, I don't think there's any evidence in history of absolute external moral moral standards that we're trying to discover and force everybody to abide by. I think it's more a question of we're in a universe, things happen, our actions have consequences, we have relationships with each other, and in the context of that complicated situation, we're trying to chart a course that will be acceptable to the most people. Right, and and what theistic uh, people want to do often in these arguments is set up a false dichotomy where they say uh, you're either going to have theistic morality, which makes sense, or atheistic morality, which doesn't make sense. Um, And as somebody who studied philosophy, I'm sure you of all people appreciate uh, that you know, how should we behave is an incredibly complicated moral question. Uh, and theism is just one out of many proposed solutions that people yeah. have come and, up with. And, and it's not even a particularly good one as far as we can tell from the practical results. Primarily, so what it's got, got, yeah. Yeah, primarily what it's got going for it is the easy answer, right? You, right. you invoke the divine command theory. You said the God said A, B, and C are good, and D, E, and F are bad. 
uh, and, and bam, you have to obey that now. And as long as you don't look too deeply, as long as you don't, like, apply the Euthyphro dilemma and see that the whole thing is kind of a house of cards, you can have a society where those are the rules and that's the way everybody will behave and it doesn't get questioned, right? You've yeah. got an, and you've yeah. got an easy answer to morality. But is it really the best for everyone? Is it, it I mean, that, that is not how you construct a society that is the best for everyone. Yeah, and for every argument that you could make, like calling into question the basis for so-called atheist morality, like what if you had a culture where everybody said rape was a good thing, except the victims, uh, that you could also say the same thing about theism and say what, you know, like you were saying earlier, what if you had a God that says that rape is always a good thing? Except when the question is, is... did a god say it, somehow it suddenly becomes, uh, the answer is, well, the god said it, so there you go. Right. And and uh, so that's why we say that's not an answer. But, oh, no, I, I understand uh, exactly what you're all saying. I, I would have finished uh, the little rape uh, example, but that's irrelevant now. Um, but I, I do, I, I, I would think that if there is a... God, and I understand the divine command theory, but if, if there is an original cause of the universe, and I won't get into any of those sort of arguments, but if there is an original cause of the universe and this cause, and for some reason we are led to the knowledge that he is all-powerful and omniscient, omnipotent, I'm not saying... I'm not sure we how we be led to that I'm, knowledge. I'm not saying we can actually discern those things. I'm just saying theoretically... Okay, go on. We, um, if we could decide those things, then I would have more of a inclination to believe that that being, as in starting my very existence and the very existence of the universe I live in, has more of a ground for morality than I. Why? No. Why? Um, There's you know, might does not make right. That you, it doesn't matter how doesn't matter how powerful or privileged the tyrant is. The virtue, the, the fact of power and privilege does not confer authority automatically. Well, oh, I agree. Uh, but so so it doesn't matter. Is... It doesn't matter how powerful the god is, even if we take as a, as a premise that there is one. Right? It doesn't matter how powerful or all knowing he is. That that does not automatically give him the authority to tell everybody else how to behave. Well, right, I mean, think... the, the God might not even have our best interests at heart. He might be saying, uh, you know, rape is the highest good because, from my perspective, it's funny. Um, right. You know, that, that doesn't take into account the feelings of, of the rape victim in any way. And that's part, and you know, the fact that all these other people are independent agents, regardless of the power of that God, is something that you kind of have to take into consideration no matter what your moral system is. Well then I would, I would be curious as to what uh, y'all would say. If there is no universe, in, in the proposition that I just gave previously, if there is no universe at all and we know nothing of God, and is, does some sort of morality exist without us? If there's no universe? 
I'm you not mean, sure what you mean by and that. There's no people, and there's no people behaving certain well, ways if, towards if, each other. If you're, if you're, a, a, if I'll give you a simpler and easier to imagine example. If you're by yourself on a desert island, and there's nobody else to interact with, there's no morality. You will do what you feel like doing, and uh, there may be consequences. But in this, in the sense of um, having an impact on others and having to work with others to come up with a moral framework that everybody can live with, it doesn't exist. You're by yourself. Uh, now, I feel bound to bring up an objection okay. that Linnea brought okay. up to that scenario, which was um, if there's initially no no people on an island, uh-huh. no, if there's initially a bunch of people on the island and you reason to yourself, well, if I killed everybody, I'd be the only person on the island and there would be no more morality. So I could then say, yeah, it was a good thing that I killed all those people. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I'm, af- I'm afraid you kind of can. But, you know, it's all that time when you were actually plotting their deaths and actually killing them off you would be way, way, way out of line, at least as far right. as all of them were concerned, which is where morality comes from. But, yeah, but well, I'm not sure but, the status of that changes the instant you kill the last guy. Who, who is <laughs> going to decide that it, has, uh, that it has not changed? Where is that coming from then? That's saying that there was some objective moral standard all the time that existed regardless of, of what anybody thought about it, and I don't think that that's defensible. Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, also, is torturing animals a moral question? Uh, I think uh, everything that your people in your society care about are moral questions. If they want to raise those things as moral questions, they're moral questions. That's how we they come up. Things okay. that nobody cares about are not moral issues. Right. I don't think so, it's moral from the perspective of the animals, because I don't think they're... I don't think they're um, involved well, in the anyway, we're, we're getting Yeah, we're getting track. on a sidetrack now having <laughs> our own thing about... about I, I mean, we, which go, just goes to demonstrate that there are these complicated uh, philosophical questions that you can bring up whether you're dealing with theistic or atheistic morality. It's just that theistic morality claims to bypass this stuff by just saying, yep, that's the right answer, and I'm not brooking any argument anymore. Right. Right, because the big powerful man in the sky said so, and that just um, doesn't work. What, what, what I originally meant when I asked you about a Tea Island example, I guess, um, even though you mentioned that yourself, I'm along the same lines, is, man, the echo. I, I keep hearing my own words, and it's yeah, killing you, me. You, you need to turn down your TV. Um, I don't even have a TV on right now, but that's fine. It's echoing in the phone? Yeah, I guess so. Sorry about that. That's the control room's problem, I think. Control room, you hear that's happening? Do what you can. Yeah, anyway. Anyways, but what I meant by that example is I'm curious as to whether do you all believe morality, if there are no people, if there is no universe, would morality exist in the same sense that a lot of uh, mathematicians would argue that math and logical reasoning exists external of our actual existence. So whether I die or not has no effect on the existence of the truth 2 plus 2 equals 4. Um, 
if there's if there's no universe, I'm not sure what the context would be in which you would examine the proposition two plus two is four and determine whether it was valid or not. If you got no universe, you'd have no things to make two well, and two of to make four. Perhaps, so it, perhaps it's kind of rendered it, irrelevant. Per, and maybe that's what it, I'm saying. I should make it a little simpler than to not say universe. Let's just say um, humanity does not exist anymore. There are no more humans. Are the there, truth that two plus two equals actors besides humans. It, it, say again. Are are there uh, actors besides humans? People who I, I mean, are there other creatures that uh, have a will and a de- and desires of some sort? No, we can no uh, no consciousness yeah, I, left. I would say I would say in a universe with no conscious entities, but one that we're talking about. Yeah, I as long as it's got natural laws. Uh, we will then be able to talk about it, and we can say two and two is four in that universe because we're talking about it, and we have an un- understanding of what that means. There's not going to be anybody there saying that because, duh. So yeah, you I do would... think it takes some sort of uh, existence to actually acknowledge two plus two equals four. It doesn't. It's not acknowledge it. Yeah, thing. acknowledging is a thing that conscious <laughs> entities do. No, I agree. I understand what you're saying. I was just curious what your uh, answer would be. Okay. Uh, well, um, I won't take up any more time at your show. Okay. It was a very interesting call. Yes. Thanks for calling. All right. I'll talk to you all later. Have and a good one. Feel free to call back. Uh, Stotch in Pennsylvania. Oh, hey, guys. <clears throat> hey, Russell. Um, Hi. I don't know if you remember me. I called in a while ago, and I talked with you. And a lady about um, supernatural stuff. Did I wind up irritated on that call? Um, no, no, okay. I don't okay. think so. Good, because if you did, it's probably going to happen again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, those patterns tend to repeat themselves. Uh, um, well, I get. Sorry, I, get I don't remember of, everybody who calls, but okay. uh, I'm sure I'll remember eventually. Well, um, I get kind of nervous, so um, I'm sorry if maybe you have a hard time understand my point, but um, I saw a a program about Big Bang, and um, I didn't know much about it before I saw that program, and I was wondering if if most atheists, if they believe in the Big Bang, if that's how they believe the universe was created? Uh, I can't honestly say if most atheists believe in mainstream science, but I would would assume that the ones who do... And and I include myself, agree that that is the most likely scientific conclusion given what we know right now. And my physicist friend's shaking his head, but tough. But, <laughs> like the, the the show said that the Big Bang was was the start of the universe, and that's how the universe. Well, was it, created. it was the start of the universe as we know it. I mean, uh, you know, technically under the bang, Big Bang model. There was stuff which was uh, which was basically the universe uh, before then, and the Big Bang describes everything that happens moments after it started expanding. Yeah, so that's that's what I don't understand because um, like there had to be things here before the Big Bang happened, right? First, um, like something had to go bang, right? Yeah, before so, before is a tricky thing to say because in that model time. And uh, the universe come into existence simultaneously. So talking about things beforehand is weird, right? Because there isn't time 
for anything to exist in before then. But then something because still has no, to be there. I said before, huh? Like um, something still had to be there, right? There was something there, yes. Well, then, well, how do you like? How do you two guys think that that came about? You realize this is not a science show, and we are not scientists, right? Right. No, I'm asking what you two guys as atheists. What's your explanation for? Well, I mean, the one of the things things about atheism does not encompass a specific set of scientific um, uh, propositions. Atheism is just we don't believe that there's any gods. Now, everything after that, each, every single one of us you talk to could tell you something else. I think that if you have questions about Big Bang cosmology, you should you know, watch more shows about it where probably they will get around to some of these issues that you're concerned about. Uh, or, or better yet, talk to somebody who already knows this stuff who can explain it to you better than us. Right, but also well, as an atheist, I don't make a habit, of, well, and as a person who's interested in dealing with scientific conclusions, I don't make a habit of making stuff up to fill in the gaps of things that I don't know, like, for instance, a magic man in the sky. Yeah, well, when I called you guys last time, um, like you said that, you had a lot of good points. You said, like, Mm -hmm. I asked you how you guys got here, and um, you said because your parents had sex. (laughs) But that's not really, you know, that's how you got here, but... Well, that's the question. They, they came before you, and their parents came before right. them. You know, so I'm trying to think. You know, it doesn't make sense to me where it all began if you if you take God out of the the picture. Well, how does it make sense if you put God in the picture? Well, because God created everything. Well, so where did God come from? Well, because He's a God, and He's the only God. So, so you're just using the word God as a special exception that's exempt from your rules as a thing that doesn't like, need to be getting. Well, that's um. You know, that's a, a theory I have of how everything yeah, came to be. Don't call but... it a theory. It's not verified by experiment <laughs> in any way. It's a, it's a guess. Well, another thing is how how um, complicated everything is. Like you take your your okay. brain, for is example. Is the god complicated? And... Hmm? Would the god oh, be complicated? I don't know because he's the only god, and we can't take him. To examine him. You so know, you know, don't how, know and you don't care. You, how do you know that I he's? The, I'm trying to wait get, a minute. I'm trying to get some answers. But Stutch, how do you know he's the only God? How do you know he even is a God? How do you know any of this stuff? Well, uh, science, at least. I mean, we don't want to. What we want to do is deflect these questions about physics because we're not physicists, okay? And we can't give you good answers. Now you're willing to talk about all this stuff with gods and things, but when you get right down to it, you don't know any of that. You have no evidence in support of any of that. All you've got is stuff you've been told and your own guesses. And that's fine. You're entitled to that, but it hardly compares to the discoveries of science uh, that are painstakingly discovered by you know, years and years of rigorous, careful research. It it doesn't compare. You can say, well, I don't know how it could be anything other than God. That's not because you're not one of the guys that did the science that has come up with answers that replace that. Well, when I I look at, um, you know, things like the Big Bang Theory, it kind of seems to me like uh, the same as if you just threw a bunch of stuff in a blender and turned it on and it produced like a, a human mind, which is I like a I don't think you really paid attention to that show not, you were watching. It, 
and, it and really... because it seems that way to you, do you assume that that is therefore what it is? I, I don't understand what you You said it seems to me like the Big Bang is just a bunch of stuff thrown in a blender. Okay, fine. That's how it seems to you. That is, uh, that is but what does it that is. But does that mean that's what it is? Yeah. No. But no, actually no. No, actually no. Go watch more science I programs. I saw the program. And and that's what it said. Everything. It's all right. If you're, if you're bound and determined to refuse to educate yourself no, and instead latch a, on to your personal impression of no, one of one science, science program, program you watched. And it said that everything exploded and then the gravity spun it around and then that made the... The galaxies. Go learn more science. Thank you for your call. Now, what do we do with that? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Good grief. Okay. Uh, Nick in Mount Pleasant, oh, Michigan. Oh, and okay. uh, turn down your uh, yeah, whatever audio device. It. Okay. Hi, Nick. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> um, sorry, that, that last guy got me off track for a sec. Um, well, hello to you, uh, Russell and Jeff. Hi. Uh, I have two questions, and I actually gave them to the screener in the wrong order, but they're related to each other. The first one is I have a friend who he's not, he, he's an atheist, but he used to be a theist, and he's quite an impressionable fellow, I would say. Basically, if you show him a video and you use big words and inspirational music in the background, or it doesn't even have to be inspirational, just eerie and mysterious, he will believe basically anything. And that's why he got into religion um, and then quickly got out because he started asking questions, right? But the problem is now he's into a lot of different type of pseudosciences. And uh, me personally, I'm going to college to be an uh, astrophysicist. I'm in undergrad as a physics student. And I usually am able to skirt aside all of his ideas and all the two-hour videos that he sends me of the, the spirit sciences and sacred geometry and astrology and well actually and and that's where I kind of draw the line when he starts to bring stuff to me like astrology or anything physics related which is kind of like what I want to go into what I what I feel passionate about it it, it it's like He's drilling into my brain, like that's it bothers me, that's it's bad. And I don't know first I don't know if I can avoid it any more any longer without like at least confronting him about it because he is my friend and I can't you know, just keep letting him talk about this stuff when I think it's total bunk. But how do you how do you get someone to be skeptical and ask questions without Here's an example. For astrology, I told him that cause, correlation does not necessarily mean causation. And what he told me was, you just need to open your mind more. And he basically asked that on anything that he presents to me. Yeah. And I tell him, and I, I ask think, specific questions. I yes? think you're being too nice to him. <laughs> I, I personally... I personally feel like uh, he's taking your uh, cautious politeness as a sign of uh, assent to go ahead and keep on saying it. And if in, instead of saying, well, you know, correlation is not causation and whatnot, if you were to say, 
this is a bunch of bullshit, and you're really gullible for believing it. First of all, you might be surprised to find that if you're good enough friends, it wouldn't totally ruin the friendship. It would just cast the discussions in a somewhat different light. But, I mean, I don't know how good friends you are. You might want to ask yourself, what am I getting out of this friendship? Um, Second of all, if you call him on something that is... uh, that is clearly bullshit, then, uh, you know, and you're able to back yourself up because I feel like you've probably got a bunch of things to say that you're holding back from saying to be uh, mindful of his feelings. Um, He's probably going to wind up realizing that if he's going to bring this stuff up with you, then he's going to get into an argument every time. So either you both find the arguments enjoyable and they keep happening, or, uh, you know, one of you just winds up backing off and maybe you don't talk to each other or you have sort of a gentleman's agreement not to talk about this anymore. I have an actual specific suggestion. Okay. Okay. Um, keeping in mind, of course, that you, you, can't, you can't force a person to think rationally. No way. They're just bound to determine not to, okay? This is just a specific suggestion. You said... He uh, he became Christian for a while, and then he quickly left that because he was asking questions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next time he brings one of these things up, ask him questions until he tells you, well, you just have to open your mind. And then you turn around and ask him, why didn't you do that for Christianity? Oh, nice. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, yeah, that, that's... Somewhere that's... in his makeup, there is some glimmer of an ability to recognize bullshit, or at the very least, to recognize the importance of caring whether something is bullshit or not, right? Okay. And that's all you're doing, and that's what he did when he asked questions in religion. Okay. Because, uh, I mean, it happened just earlier today where he, he posted a, a uh, an article on Facebook that said, um, uh, Physicists find evidence that the universe is part of a giant brain. Uh-huh. Uh, and this is and this is where I'm like, okay, I'm like that. I'm into physics. Us. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. I want, I'm I'm into physics, so I'm gonna open this article and I'm gonna read it and I'm gonna see like if I can just catch catch it, just you know, open it. So I opened it, I read through it, and all it was saying was some scientists and these scientists and these physicists, and I'm like, it doesn't even say who these some scientists are. Right, and in and then, in that situation, uh, if I was interested in arguing with this guy, which I bet I wouldn't be and would just stop <laughs> following him, <laughs> but if I were, I would look at that link and say, this article is not very specific. Do you know which scientists they are? And that uh, sort of puts the onus on that guy to actually... Uh, fill in the gaps that the article has been leaving because the article is being sloppy and you're letting him know that he can't just get away with referencing some vague authority that makes claims that it doesn't even back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess you are right. I am being very, very nice to him. But I think I've learned uh, throughout you know, our friendship that he, he gets incredibly defensive when you do attack his beliefs. Well, tough. So, so he he feels as though like he can he his he says uh, my beliefs are dynamic and they're they're not static and they're always changing, but he's the only one that can change them. 
so he'll go online and search through all this nature, natural science and spirit science stuff, and he'll believe any article that's online. But like if I said it, it's just me being a jerk, right. and he'll you know he'll be annoying about it. But maybe you're right, and then I'll definitely take your advice in mind. Well, and, I mean, uh, like like I said, I assume you have your own very good reasons for staying friends with this guy. I don't know them personally. <laughs> I'm just a friendly guy, I guess. Um, well, you can be too friendly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, there, there's a finite amount of energy you can devote to the relationships in your life, and, uh, you know, if this guy is not worth it, then that's not your problem to make it worth it. Okay, yes. That has occurred to me. Um, and, and my second question is, um, I eventually, I want to have kids someday, and I'm actually kind of worried that they will turn out like him in the way that I want them to be incredibly skeptical and I want them to be scientifically literate and I want them to ask questions about everything. I'm excited for the time where they ask questions about everything. But the problem is I'm worried that they won't know how to ask the right questions and they will start going, oh, well, I'm asking questions, but it's still going into stuff like spirit science and then I'm basically, I'm worried that they will fall into being too impressionable and too gullible. And I don't know, how do I... You how haven't I, even had these kids yet? No, no. Okay. I, just, I would I would stop being so deeply, deeply, deeply worried about it uh, okay. until it's actually a problem in front of you. And second of all, you know, again, you're not going to be able to, to program their minds to be exactly the way you want them either. So there's a crapshoot, and that is the risk you take. And, um, you know, decide if you can deal with the, the risk that you wind up with kids you just can't be proud of, and, uh, and then act accordingly. That, that's exactly what I, what I don't want. I don't want to program their mind. Per se, like, that's what I don't like about religion. Uh-huh. But, so but you're worried that they program. won't come out the way you want. So. Right. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, now you know why religion loves to make people think its way so much. Yeah, right? Or right. people in religion, I, I mean, religious touching, leaders touching uh, like on, that so much. Touching back on what I said earlier about maybe being too nice, I think there's a trap that uh, atheist or very new atheist parents can fall into uh, about, you know, well, I'm just going to not try to influence the kid at all and let them go their own way and... Um, <clears throat> You know, kids' brains aren't fully formed yet. Right. And you as a parent have more opportunity than anyone else to influence the way that they think. And uh, if uh, skepticism and scientific reading, uh, reasoning and being a good reader and a curious mind are things that are important to you, then you share that with your kid and... Uh, you know, you hope that they pick up on it as much as possible. And I think that if they ask you about God, you don't lie. You tell them what you think, and you honestly tell them that other people think differently, and you give them your reasons, same as okay. anyone else. Um, I have some posts on the Atheist Experience blog, which you can search for by typing in Atheist Experience Raising Atheists. It's a two-part post, which uh, goes into more detail on what I just said. Okay, thanks. Uh, one small question. Could you explain to me what a straw man argument is? Because I heard, I've been watching your videos, and uh, 
Charlie the Atheist, he used it a million times. Okay. Uh, A straw man is like, um, let me come up with a quick example. Um, uh, it's, It's when you mischaracterize the argument being made by the other person, and then you argue against that instead of against what the person is actually saying. Okay, and the straw man, the phrase straw man is written. Imagine, you know, a mannequin uh, that you're beaten up on, right? Well, that's not actually addressing a real person. Yeah, you you take... That's what that's all about. You take, like, a scarecrow and you write the words, uh, you know, Pat Robertson. Right. And then, you know, you beat the stuffing out of that... Scarecrow, and you say, I just kicked Pat Robertson's ass. I want to do Pat Robertson's voice so bad okay. right now, but I'm on camera. <laughs> okay, so so it's something you don't want to do. You do not want to attack a straw man. Well, I mean, it is technically, a waste of argument. If you, you can get away with some fallacies. It, if, you get a, if you get away, if you catch somebody else doing that to you, you call them on it. You right. say, you are, you are attacking a straw man. You are not attacking my actual argument. Okay, great. Thank okay. you. Uh-huh. That's all I had. All right, thanks, thanks for calling. For, yeah, thanks right. for calling, Nick. We got uh, 15 minutes left. Okay. Um, and we're going to talk to Soraya in Gainesville, Florida. Hello. Hello. Hi, uh, Russell and Jeff. Uh, first of all, I just want to compliment uh, your new catchphrase of Mike, Mike does not make right. Uh, I like that. I didn't make that up. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, yeah. That's like a bait. That's like a principle in, in ethics. Oh, okay. I haven't heard of it. But um, anyway, my question, I guess, is related um, also to a friend that I have or, or had. Um, I know, Jeff, you're really, um, you know, against the idea of a Christian hell and basically how it's kind of saying I deserve to be tortured forever. And um, I, you know, I agree with that. And um, I have this friend. She's a, a Baptist. And, um, you know, we started talking about uh, gay marriage, and, you know, she said she's all against that, and she said sinning, and, you know, I guess the Bible says, like, well, you know, what, what do you think about me? Um, you know, I'm an atheist, and do you think I'm going to hell? And, and she said, well, yes, but, you know, I'm not the one making you, you oh, go there, you know. I the Dodge, sure. Worship. She worships the God that's going to send you there, whose rules are going to send you there, but, oh, no, no, she's completely out of it. She has no responsibility. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah I heard that a million times. Yeah, and so, you know, I told her I, I don't really want to be friends with, you know, someone that, that thinks that about me. I'm wondering if you guys have gone through anything similar or if you think I'm being too mean or what's the... Um... I mean, it it really depends to me. I don't, I don't know. I can't speak for Jeff. I mean, to me, uh, it depends on how central a part of that is of my relationship with that other person. Because if I'm talking to somebody and they're always saying, by the way, you're still going to hell or something like that, you know, <laughs> that, that person is just being a run-of-the-mill dick to me. Uh, and I probably don't find it productive to spend my time with someone like that. Okay. Um, But it's possible to be friends with someone who has those beliefs but uh, tries not to think about it at least. (laughs) That's a courtesy of some sort. Uh, I mean, you know, if you don't want to make your – if you think that your religious differences will never be resolved but you don't – neither one of you wants to make it a central issue between you, that can work. 
Jeff? Okay. Um, yeah, by the time my atheism became important enough to me to care about things like this, I was already not hanging out with pricks like that. <laughs> um, so I haven't actually been tested. I haven't had a friend who believed I was going to hell for me to find out. But my 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 impulse is that I don't care whether they talk about it. If, they, if it ever comes up once that they're worshiping an invisible friend who they think is going to send me to hell and that I will therefore deserve it and, you know, get what I've got coming to me, that is not my friend. I, I, I can't, I can't ima- even if they never, ever, ever say it again, uh, that's not a friend by my standards. Okay, I would, uh, I would tend to, I would tend to agree. Um, all right, well, well, thank you guys very much. Okay, thanks. All right. Of course, if I was that horrible a person that I did deserve it, I, I can imagine <laughs> having a friend who merely recognizes that I actually am uh, completely irredeemable and deserving of eternal torment if I really was. I suppose I could imagine that. I suppose that, even right? if you had a friend That person like... might want to, you know, mop my forehead or something and be kind to me even though I'm getting my just desserts. But <laughs> since I'm not, since I'm not so evil that I deserve eternal punishment, there, there's no way that a friend can think that I, that I am. What if you were like a mass murderer and you had a friend who was always like, you know, you really deserve to go to jail for the stuff you did. Yeah, I, I can imagine in situations yeah. like that. But right. uh, that's not where we're at. Right. Artie in North Carolina. Hello there. Uh, it's great to be on your show. Thank you. Um, well, uh, anyway, I'm going to make this quick because I am uh, an unbeliever myself. And uh, I, don't, I don't want to take up too much time, but uh, I, a lot of the arguments for the existence of God uh, are not that convincing to me, but some of my experiences in life cause me to sometimes wonder about maybe God intervening every, every now and then. Um, I'll just tell you why I think that. Uh, my grandmother died about 15 years ago, and um, I was on tour with a musical group at the time, and we just happened to be uh, on tour in Rhode Island where the funeral was on the day that the funeral happened. So I was able to, you know, uh, take the day off and go to the funeral. And uh, there were a lot of other really weird things that happened that just seemed a little too perfect. Uh-huh. And, and a lot of people who I might ask would go, oh, well, that's God, you know. I wish I'd printed out and brought in this thing I was looking at today. There's an actual mathematical proposition which says, uh, and it's got a name and I can't remember the name, so I don't know how you're going to look it up. I'll try to remember to bring it in the next time I'm on the show. But uh, if you go with the definition of a miracle, that it's a thing that happens, it's like one in a million chance of yeah. that thing happening. And then if you go with the uh, with the standard that like a thing happens to you every second, then on average uh, you're going to have something that seems miraculous happen to you once every 35 days. So okay. the so uh, that's that's the way to look at it. The universe is this incredibly complex place that you're in, and stuff is going on all the time, constantly. And it's really no surprise if every once in a while something that seems really significant or unlikely actually happens. Yeah, I, if I it happened that. all the time, 
that would be wrong, right? But then I think if it happened all the time, it would just set a new standard of what's normal, and then and then it would have to be incredibly unlikely for it to seem miraculous. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I just that's probably the, the last bastion of um, believing in God in my world is are those experiences I've had, and. I mean, and I know they're coincidences, and I know, but there's also that side of me that sometimes questions that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's normal because you're human, and uh, one of the things that humans are really good at is seeing patterns. Uh, yes. And, yes. And they're so good at seeing remembering patterns. the hits and forgetting the misses. Here's the right. thing that here's the thing that annoys the crap out of me that happens <laughs> all the time. Um, at some point, must have been like 15 years ago, I happened to look at a clock, and it was 3.16, right? <gasps> and then the Bible, 3.16 is this important important oh chapter. I don't even know what it's from anymore. But um, So now, every once in a while, I'll look at a clock, and it'll be 3.16. And, of course, my brain is remembering that because <laughs> that one time it lodged itself in my memory. And so a little alarm goes off. Oh, it's that 3.16 thing again. Shut up! It's 316 twice a day. Twice a day. The fact that my eyes happen to glance at a clock at those moments every once in a while is completely not significant. But, uh, you know, my, my brain right now is noticing that. It's annoying. Yeah, my, my number was 34 for yeah? years and years. Every time I looked at the clock, it was 34 after. Right. So. I don't know what that means. I mean, it I, means our brains are pattern recognition machines that are going to go ahead and do it even when we don't want them to. When I was bored in school, I used to stare at my watch uh, when the, a time was coming up that was cool, like one, two, three, four, five. Uh, and especially if there was a date, and then this year was 2012, which means something, uh, let's see, there there was a, if you go by the European standard of labeling dates, then there was a 12... Uh, three, four, or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> but uh-huh. yeah. it's something that will never happen again. And there's something that will never happen again happening constantly. Yep. Um, right. All right, well, you, thanks, guys. I, I just wanted to run that by and see what you thought. I appreciate it. Okay. Uh, have a good one. Thanks. thanks. We, got? Uh, we got nobody. Okay. Um, what's going on, call screeners? We got we got <laughs> lines. Uh, we have someone on the line who's probably Matt from Oslo, so we're not going to take him. I don't I don't know uh, that that example you brought up of actually that, actually consciously looking for those. Yeah, moments, no, that wasn't a good example. That, but it it illustrates that those kinds of of apparently coincidental. Or, uh, situations do in fact occur, right? And there are some kinds of things where there's a schedule, and you can actually wait for those moments. Yeah, and that's one of them. But imagine if you know three times in your life you had accidentally glanced at some calendar or something and noticed it. Sure, and then that it would, would be, be like oh, <clears throat> and totally not justified. <laughs> uh, well, we got uh, uh, like three minutes left on the show, there's so somebody. we could. Uh, Somebody just showed up. Who's Take this? It. Glenn in Reston, Virginia. You got two minutes, and we cannot go over presuppositional apologetics in two minutes. What, so say your piece real quick and maybe call back next week. 
Sure. I, I just wanted to refute the uh, misrepresentation of the Christian's view for justification of knowledge. Okay. We we do have a justification, and right. obviously it's it's within Scripture. You wouldn't accept it, but in Colossians two three. So as in, as long as I assume that your book is correct, then that proves that you're correct. No, no. The question is, do we have justification for knowledge? And 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 again, from our worldview, we do. Unfortunately, that's for not, your worldview, but that's view, not you where you get a justification for knowledge is from your worldview. Well, no. Wait a minute. We're asking, is our worldview coherent? I'm asserting that ours is, and we have justification. I don't care if it's like. coherent. Is it accurate? I, I mean, what Narnia is internally coherent. internally consistent is not the same as you know actually accurate in turn in the in the greater sense of the universe. Well, wait a minute. We're talking not about impressed. epistemology. We're talking essentially about epistemology. How do we know what we know? Uh-huh. I would ask you, how do you know anything from your worldview? How do you avoid an infinite regress? You how can't. do you? Oh, again, knowledge from God. Yeah, no, dude, How you made do you that up. How do you know that you've got that? You just made no, that up. No. Again, no, that's your assertion. Again, we're asking, are we just? You're welcome to knowledge? demonstrate that your God actually exists. Well, wait a minute. That, again, you're asking me to demonstrate. I'm, I'm giving you the logical right. reasoning. You're giving no, me you're the circularly logical, ar- reasoning. Uh, logical reasoning. Yes, you <laughs> certainly are. You're just, no, again, say, if the God exists, you know then the God true. can do a thing that makes it so you know that he exists. No, and round and round we go. No, that's okay. incorrect. Again, all right. you're, you... you can go back and reread my uh, <laughs> debate with Pastor Stephen Feinstein. It's in five parts. It's on the blog, and it was incredibly tedious. Yeah, totally uh, not impressed, and, dude. And read some more. Read it anyway, because it's... Um, oh, also, there's this other blog called uh, Evangelical Realism, which is doing it sort of a rerun of my debate with Pastor Feinstein. He's reading through all of Pastor Feinstein's side and nitpicking it all from a different angle. Oh boy! So uh, I would look that up because he's entertaining, or at least he does at least as good a job as I did. If you uh-huh. think I did a good job, uh, and I'm gonna say that's our show. That is our show. That is I our show. Look, credits. Uh, come to Threadgills if you would like to. If you're in the area, you want to hang out with some atheists, um, then we're going to be there after the show. And thanks all you guys in the control room for making the magic happen. Thank you, Jeff D. And all you guys in the chat room for not doing anything but listening to us and typing words. Yep. <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> and goodbye, everyone. See you next week. From the kids to Aunt Sue. Keep your whole family connected on all their devices with crowd-pleasing gig-speed internet from Xfinity. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Learn more about gig-speed internet or other popular plans. With Xfinity, you'll enjoy faster downloads and a better streaming experience. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed.